0: Hey and uh, welcome to Black and White Football. This is the World Cup wrap-up show. Uh, this is day 6. Uh, David isn't with me here today so he's just going to be stuck with, with me uh, talking about today's games that we saw today and kind of giving a, a brief little preview on the upcoming games tomorrow. So we've had all the games in the opening match day uh, so it's been... Very good so far. It's been kind of a record number of goals, record number of penalties, record number of goals from set pieces. So it's um, hasn't disappointed so far. There hasn't been any nil all draws, which is the first time ever. Uh, I think since nineteen thirty four or something like that. Um, so Russia won out uh, today against Egypt three one. Looks like they're booking their passage through to the knockout stages looks like Mo Salah and Egypt are going home Um, it was good to see Mo Salah play some game time today Uh, he played uh, from the start and finish and and scored a penalty but I think a lot of people were were hoping uh, for the best for him I'm not a Liverpool fan but I was still hoping to to see if he could perform on the world stage and apparently he was uh, getting one of the physios to help him put on his jersey that his shoulder still wasn't right that it was still kind of tweaking so I think uh, that definitely didn't help, but it was uh, great to see some of the greatest players in the world uh, playing on the world's biggest stage, so at least we got to see him and hopefully he'll be uh, fit enough to play again in their last game, even though it looks like their chances of qualifying now are, are slim and none, but it uh, be interesting to see how, how they continue. So There's another couple of other games uh, that we're on uh, today. Um, I guess we'll start from the start and start off with uh, Colombia versus Japan. So. Uh, in a previous uh, kind of live broadcast, myself and David kind of discussed who our dark horses were for the tournament. I said Colombia, um, so it didn't really go well, well for them today. Uh, started off uh, pretty poorly, you know, it was a long ball over the top. Davinson um who I highly rate uh, Tottenham this year as a young uh, centre defender, kind of got muscle off the ball and um, allowed the Japanese striker to have a shot. It was... Saved by Ospina and goal, but uh, the rebound uh, fell to Cagua, he tried to put it in and uh, another Sanchez, Carlos Sanchez, uh, kind of put it out of his arm, prevented the goal, uh, gave away a penalty and got a red card. So it was only three minutes into the game, I think I was watching uh, some of the, the BBC coverage for this and Cesc Fabregas was, didn't understand why he did it, he could understand why he would do it if it was in uh, the last minute or if it was in a knockout game. Uh, kind of similar to how Suarez did it in uh, 2010 to save on the line against Ghana uh, in the, the knockout stages. Um, Asimo Guyan had that penalty, he missed it, and ultimately Uruguay got to the next stage. So it was seen as you know win at all costs, whereas there wasn't that stakes um, today in the game. Three minutes into the opening game, there was so much time, time left to, to kind of come back and... You know the way Colombia played with ten men in that first half. They were, they absolutely dominated Japan. And very um, very difficult to, to break down, but they eventually got that goal. Uh, it was a nice little cheeky kind of free kick. Went under the wall as they jumped, and you know it looked like one of the slowest free kicks ever. Uh, the Keeper tried to save it, went behind the line, tried to claim it didn't, but obviously with goal line technology, it's it's clear and obvious uh, when it does cross the line. So um, the Japanese kind of came out strongly in the second half obviously they did an extra man for pretty much all 19 minutes didn't really make any um, didn't get any dividends from it in, in the first half um, but in the second half they, they did play very well um, kind of looks like Colombia were trying to uh, kind of hang on their manager Jose Peckerman did make had some very adventurous subs so James Rodriguez didn't start for Colombia uh, which was a surprise but he did come on um, and you know that the coach seemed to look to go for the, the three points um, straight off the bat. So uh, I guess questions will be asked whether he should have done that or whether he should have you know just kind of put on an extra defensive midfielder uh, after the hour mark and kind of look to, to hold on for uh, that point and maybe look to to push in the last 10 or so minutes. But uh, ultimately, Japan scored from a corner. Um, I think there's been a lot of goals from corners. Obviously, the, the two goals. Uh, for England last night from corners or from set pieces so another from a corner ball delivered in in off the, the post and in and Columbia did try to come back they brought on Carlos Baca as well late on and he didn't really uh, do much to influence the game um, my main memory or takeaway from him is in the last kind of a couple of minutes in extra time um, or an injury time had a ball out wide and Know, tried to cross it in and just went hopelessly over the bar. So, uh, not too much of an impact uh, from um, the, the substitutes from Colombia. So, Jose Peckerman's kind of risk in, in bringing on attacking players when they were down to 10 men for such a long period of time didn't really pay off. So, it uh, be interesting to see how they come back uh, in the next game because um, Poland and Selling L were the other. Um, two teams in this group and they obviously had an interesting games all which we'll talk about um, shortly so um, interesting to see what Columbia can do obviously they're one of my kind of dark horse picks uh, one of my outsiders uh, to do well so kind of hoping that they progress uh, but credit to Japan They'd, I think it was an average uh, age of 31 uh, that we're starting today for Japan so experienced uh, team they don't really seem to have uh, the next generation coming through which might be uh, difficulty for for them moving forward in future tournaments obviously it's kind of uh, an underlying kind of problem uh, with the whole Japanese population kind of generally kind of aging as well so it'd be interesting to see where the next um, stars are going to come from. Um, so the, the starting striker wasn't Okazaki as we kind of speculated obviously he's the, the Leicester City striker that a lot of people would probably be aware of um, so it was actually a guy called Osaka So. He ended up uh, scoring that second goal and the winning goal from that uh, corner. Uh, And then he had a great block, I think it was from uh, a James Rodriguez shot, uh, kind of late on. um, Last kind of dish tackle and saved a potential goal. So uh, there were some interesting uh, performers. Uh, Quintero for um, Colombia, he's got the free kick. Cuadrado was removed quite early on as well, which was a surprise for defensive midfielder Barrios. Um so I think he'd be disappointed there because uh, Quadrado is one of um, Colombia's better talents uh, obviously he had his time at Chelsea and then um, kind of moved on to, to Juventus and uh, so it'll be interesting to see if um, the Japanese can, can do well in their two remaining games and obviously Colombia have two remaining games as well so it looks like it's going to be an interesting group uh, given the result of the next game that happened in that um, so that was uh, Poland versus Senegal. Um, so it was a 2-1 win for Senegal and Africa's first win at this World Cup. Uh, so I think, yeah, David, in our preview of uh, Black money football yesterday, he was uh, heavily on a, um, on a Senegal win. So I was hoping for a lot of goals and excitement in the game and it definitely kind of delivered on those kind of fronts. Um, the pace from Senegal up front was, was kind of frightening at times. I um, was disappointed with how Lewandowski kind of played. I don't think he really kind of showed um, some of the qualities that we we're kind of picking up uh, yesterday. Um, so I think he'll be kind of disappointed. Obviously, um, it's kind of seen as another golden generation for another team. Um, Poland haven't really uh, been at the races in previous tournaments. So I think this is kind of seen as um, Poland's best team for a number of years. Um, and then obviously, when a, a player like Lewandowski is absolutely world-class, although he didn't show it today. Um, but he is kind of nearing the end of his career, and he might still be around in four years' time for the next World Cup, but you'd have to say that he's probably at the peak of his powers now, so it was disappointing to to see him not have much of an influence on the game. Um, and then another player that I kind of pointed out yesterday was uh, Zelensky. I thought he had a very good first half, but kind of faded as the game went on, and it looked like uh, Senegal kind of grew, grew in strength uh, in the second half, so kind of got lucky with the, the first goal. Uh, it was kind of a long range shot, I think about might have taken a, even a couple of deflections on the way through and left near the goalkeeper completely fat-footed so uh, Senegal got a good bit of luck uh, there and then a bit of controversy as well over their second goal so Niang uh, who David kind of told us to, to look out for yesterday, you know, fast uh, kind of wide uh, attacking forward and um, that it's not just Mane who is the wide attacking, pacey forward in the Senegal team. So I think he used to play with uh, AC Milan, and now he's at uh, Torino. But uh, he was kind of off injured. Um, Poland were attacking, and they were kind of playing the ball uh, backwards. Um, Niang was on the side of the pitch, looking to get back on. The ref kind of waves him on into play, and then and another player that we mentioned yesterday, Kriocek, uh who was at PSG and loaned to West Brom last year. He kind of played the ball back kind of aimlessly. Um, one of the defenders was kind of looking around and didn't really realize that Niang had re-entered the pitch. and um, So he just kind of ran through and, you know, Chesney came storming out. Uh, he's probably about 35 yards out of his goal by the time that Niang actually scored it. Uh, so that put them two, two nil up. Uh, and then Krojicek scored uh, a header uh, kind of laid on I think the 86 minutes, so uh, Poland didn't really have too much time to try and get the equalizer, and I was kind of hoping for it just because I had predicted a uh, two-all yesterday, and um, so I was hoping for a nice um, correct score and a career, correct result uh, prediction, but it wasn't the pass, and I'm delighted that Senegal actually won because you could see, you know, the the fanfare from their supporters was was great throughout. There was you know the Eight or so guys, or seven guys, um, with Senegal each with a letter each, and they were doing kind of coordinated moves. So it was great to see that. And then at the end of the game, the the whole pitch were are doing um, a dance, and you know some of the tops off, and you know they're all kind of in a coordinated move. So it was cool to to see that. And I guess that's kind of part of the magic of the World Cup: different cultures bringing different styles and attitudes to a game. And you know they were absolutely delighted. So I think it was great for Senegal, obviously, but. It being the first win for an African side as well, I think it's great for for African football to to have um, teams winning on, on the biggest stage against a very decent side in um, in Poland. Um, so I think, yeah, Nian got kind of man of the match on a lot of the online uh, kind of press. Uh, Kryocek for, for Poland was good. Obviously, he scored the goal, but I think other than his mistake to uh, kind of laxily kind of put the ball back towards his Defender or I don't know did he mean it to go all the way back to Chesney. Not really sure, but uh, other than that mistake I think he played well in um, kind of the midfield for uh, Poland with Zelensky kinda of next to him and he was Zelensky was the one to, to kinda of look to link up play and to to make forward kind of movement with the ball. Um so it'll be interesting to see obviously the the other game was the one we talked about previously with um Colombia losing to to Japan, so I think it might be a a wide open group because I think everyone else can kind of beat each other uh, from here on out, I think Japan only won today because of their extra man advantage, so it will be interesting to see how they do, um, assuming that the other teams don't go down to 10 men as well, Um, so I think that could be a wide open group that will definitely go to uh, match day 3 to to see who uh, finally gets out of that group, uh, Group H. Um, And then uh, the evening game. Um, So we're starting match day two now, Um, so this was uh, Russia versus Egypt, so it was uh, with self and David kind of saw this as being a a kind of a tight uh, kind of matchup, Um, we kind of thought that Russia would play kind of defensively because um, I think Russia would have been okay with the draw, so I think uh, for them uh, we kind of thought that they would play kind of defensive and that they wouldn't... um, you know, be too open at the back, um, but they definitely uh, have played our expectations again. Uh, they've won two games now in a row. They scored five in the first one uh, with a clean sheet and scored three again today against uh, Egypt while conceding a penalty. So I think it's uh, the best start by a host um, since the uh, very start of the competition. I think it was 1934, um, so I think Italy were the hosts on that occasion, I think they scored a similar number of goals, but they conceded uh, more, so that was uh, interesting to see uh, Russia do well again, so it all but guarantees them to get to the, the next round of uh, the World Cup. So I think World Cups are better when the, the hosts as well, and so I think we'll definitely keep attendance up and the atmosphere in the country uh, up as well. So. Um, Salah, you know, he played the the full ninety. I don't think it was his best game by a long shot, and didn't really create too much. Uh, obviously, went down for the penalty, uh, won the penalty, uh, even though it had to go to VAR. It's kind of like a, a pullback on the edge of the box, uh, so we went to VAR to decide whether it was inside the box or outside the box. So, um, kind of started outside the box, and the, the the pullback on Salah kind of continued into the box. So, if it doesn't matter if it started outside the box; if it continues in, it, it's still a penalty. Um, so good to have VAR in that instance, um, just to, to kind of clear up any um, any dubious kind of calls because the referee gave it outside, so he obviously got it wrong. So uh, good to good to see uh, VAR being effective in that situation. Um, so Church um, Churchav again played fantastic; um, he scored again. Uh, goldwyn didn't really have had uh, the same kind of impact that he had uh, last time out. Um, and then uh, Zuba, he was uh, the big uh, kind of striker that they brought on um, last time against Saudi Arabia. And he actually started this time out because uh, I think I was reading uh, some stats that you know the last 20 goals that Egypt had scored, you know, 14 of them have been uh, from headers. So uh, they definitely looked to, to try and take advantage of a uh, potential weakness there. And uh, Zuba is a big, big man. so. Uh, he got his goal, wasn't a header, it was a, a lovely little finish um, into the, the bottom right-hand corner, so uh, he'll be happy with that, and probably looks like he might start again instead of small up front, so uh, I think we spoke before the actual World Cup, and uh, Russia kind of don't really have uh, an out-and-out striker, I think there's only a couple of players who have scored more than 10 goals, although Cheryshav now has got three so far in this tournament, uh, joins Ronaldo in the, the top of the Golden Boot uh, stages, so I think that's that's great for him. Um, and yeah looks like Egypt are going home so it's it's unfortunate for them but um, I think um, they were delighted to get to the World Cup obviously Salah not being fit uh, for the first game um, it hindered them um, conceded a late goal and then even though Salah played today I think it was clear that he wasn't uh, fully fit I think I mentioned earlier that he was getting a, a physio to help him to put on his jersey so that's uh, never a good sign because it wasn't a badly moment where he had to get someone to help him put on a bib because he didn't know which was front, which was back, and, and everything. It was a genuine kind of pain in, in Salah's shoulder, which is um, hopefully not going to be detrimental to him long term because you know, I think he obviously kind of played through the pain barrier, possibly had injections uh, to get him uh, out there today. So uh, hopefully that won't be um, a problem kind of moving forward. Um, so at the end of. The first match day I think myself and David said that we do a uh, kind of wrap up of all the games and stuff but uh, obviously David isn't uh, here today so we're just doing myself uh, kind of talking to myself about football and um, so hopefully you guys are, are enjoying it uh, regardless uh, but did kind of come across a, a cool article uh, just a couple of hours ago posted by the Guardian about you know the top 10 things we learned you know like a lot of um Places seem to be putting out uh, list articles, listicles. I think they call them. Uh, it rhymes is another word as well, which uh, probably uh, sums up my opinions on them. But yeah, since it's a World Cup, um, it's actually a pretty good one. So uh, the first thing that they learned apparently is that Russia is a good place to hold, host a World Cup. And I think I'd echo those kind of statements. I think um, you know a lot of people are kind of worried about hooliganism and, and potential for, for some uh, nasty kind of stuff off the pitch. Uh, But that hasn't transpired at all, and I was kind of speaking to somebody else, and um, someone said that, you know, since it's happening in Russia, that they, the Russian government and security forces, take a zero uh, tolerance approach, and that people wouldn't be trying to get away with what we saw in in France in 2016. Um, So I think, you know, that's been great, and, you know, it's kind of put people at ease. Uh, So I think beer is relatively cheap over there. It's been pretty sunny. Um, I think today was the first day I saw rain during uh, some of the games and I was in St. Petersburg today for the the um, the Russia-Egypt game and so I think everything seems to be going well. I've got a friend um, who might be joining the show on a future future uh, live broadcast who's actually over there at the moment and he's been kind of talking about free trains between cities and you know that they're not packed like you might expect uh, so I think it's uh, been a pretty good uh, tournament so far and Russia Is kind of Proved that it was round, that they actually can host a good tournament. So it'll be interesting uh, to see if they can um, keep that level of quality up. Um, so the next thing on the Guardian's uh, kind of list is the ball is the best. Um, so usually there's always the um, people complaining about the, the ball. And I think there was a couple of goalkeepers, like the Egypt goalkeeper and the Russian goalkeeper, I can feel kind of giving out about it. But I guess the, the Guardian kind of taken the view of seeing free kicks like Goldavians on the opening day. Ronaldo on the second day, and um, Kolarov's uh, over the weekend, and you know that's the proper judge of a good ball. Um, you know that the technicians that are using these balls that they're able to, to kind of put the ball where they want them, uh, which is interesting. Uh, but I personally think you know changing the ball design every every time is or for every tournament or every season in the Premier League is a bit of a joke because when you look at other balls. In other sports, you know, like the rugby ball or American football or baseball or basketball, the design of the actual shape of the ball stays the same. Um, obviously, then they can, you know, put the new Super Bowl logo on it or kind of edit it and you know kind of put a fresh kind of skin or, or paint on it uh, to make it unique for a certain event. But uh, for the the World Cup ball, there's a whole engineering um, kind of. Per- a kind of team that are dedicated to designing a whole new ball and you know kind of changes the number of panels, the shape of the panels. Uh, so I think that's probably something that should be looked at. You know, like why don't we have this is the best type of ball and you know if it needs to be a different color or different design in terms of the actual kind of graphics on it for a different tournament, then so be it. But I think changing the absolute shape is is crazy. Uh, so number three on the guardian list is a uh, few red cards. So. Um, kind of taking a look at the game so far, you know, there's only being that one red card in the games or, or today's earlier game uh, for Carlos Sanchez. Um, so it's, it took until the 15th game of the tournament for that to happen. Um, so it's kind of unfortunate that it was um, handball and kind of a stupid decision, but um, I guess it was uh, kind of rush blood to the head on the, the Colombian players' part. But uh, this is the cleanest start to the World, World Cup since 1986. Uh, so, referees have been kind of lenient in a lot of games. Obviously, um, Brazil have kind of written a letter to the to FIFA about uh, the refereeing in their game, and um, a lot of a couple of other games have kind of popped up where the referees been uh, relatively lenient. So, um, yeah, only one red card so far, but I guess there's a lot more games to to go to to increase that. And you know, as teams and players start picking up. Multiple yellows in multiple games, and obviously the inevitable suspensions might be coming, uh, which is unfortunate, but it's a part of the game. So, number four on their list is three can be a crowd. Uh, So, I don't really know what this is straight off the bat, Uh, but if only football was as easy as throwing together the best pieces and expecting them to fit into an instant jigsaw. France came to Russia with a similar set of expectations. Uh, Didier Deschamps was bold in molding his team around the selection of three attackers who were all blessed with pace and trickery. Uh, so in theory Kilena Mbappe, Antoine Griezmann and Dembele should work. Um uh, but I think um you know David was well on board the, the France hype train from a long time ago, so I think um you know he was disappointed, as were a lot of other people, of how you know, kind of flat and um uninspiring that the French uh, looked against Australia. So um sometimes it doesn't always work and obviously uh, not really being able to um to bring in um, different kind of players to, to kind of make it work Um kind of has hindered France but you know they're kind of slow starters at the best of times so I think um, not being able to, to kind of get it going in the first game is not really indicative of their overall potential because we've seen you know like Belgium and England you know the, the bigger teams have struggled obviously Brazil being the, the most had uh, the biggest struggle and you know, Germany lost to Mexico, so uh, hopefully the the French team will be able to to pick up their attacking ideas uh, moving forward. So uh, number five on the Guardian's list of 10 things they've learned so far from the World Cup is bugs and dogs, but no big brother so far. Uh, So obviously the the England game had just like swarms of midges for, um, kind of reminded me of I think it was your 2016, similar kind of bug infestation, you know, there was um, some funny shots of Ronaldo with uh, some massive kind of cricket-like things on him. So um, yeah, there's you know you saw the England players kind of warming up with you know kind of spraying um, some anti-bug spray on them. So um, be interesting to see if there's more games on um, on in that venue if the, the bugs are still there. Um, so yeah, number six on the list. England have Vim, um, So you know England obviously started well in the game uh then got pegged back by giving away a stupid penalty from Kyle Walker which um yeah you know, as a Tottenham fan I was kinda of used to seeing him uh, make some rash decisions um he kinda of got away with the one kinda of earlier on as well. Uh, didn't um kinda of tackle a player or anything but he did, you know, try to leave the ball go past him but the, the player kinda of read it and, and kinda of interjected. And um, so obviously they, they kinda of showed that they had a bit of bottle um so England kind of won in the the last minute which I think is always more exciting for fans and obviously internal to the team I think they'll have a bit more kind of uh, motivation kind of going forward Um, whereas if they won in a 2-1 where they didn't actually um, score in the last minute where they were kind of hanging on at the end uh, I think that puts a different uh, picture on it so I think you know scoring that last minute winner you know I think everyone was elated and You you saw the scenes of some of the fans at back in England watching the game, and uh, they were absolutely going mental as were uh, fans in the stadium. And I think the way the English team kind of celebrated both their goals kind of showed that they've kind of got a bit of um, a group uh, kind of motivation or a group identity that they're they're all kind of uh, singing from the same hymn sheet. So credit to Gareth Southgate. Uh, for that, but I guess you never know how that's gonna develop over the course of a, a month-long tournament. So, uh, very early days. So, you know, cool the jets. Um, England kind of always kind of fall foul of that of one game, and they think they're going to win the thing, which uh, is far from uh, far from the exact science. Um, so, number seven on the Guardian's list is that the Brazilian insecurities must be suppressed. Uh, so it was only one lapse, and Tide and his players and the rest of the Brazilians 200 million plus population continue to insist that Switzerland's equaliser in Rostov on Sunday ought to be disallowed for a push. Um, so yeah, I think Brazil's reaction to that game, uh, to the way Switzerland uh, kind of played them, uh, obviously they kind of targeted Neymar and, you know, he's kind of harried around the pitch and they were definitely trying to do a job on him, um, but, you know, go back four years and, Colombia faced Brazil in, I think it was a quarter-final, and they did the exact same thing to Hamas uh, Rodriguez. They, you know, kicked the shit out of him for, for 19 minutes and didn't let him play, and, you know, ultimately Brazil won, and at the end of the game, Hamas Rodriguez was in tears, and players like Luis are going up and trying to commiserate him, but I think it's a bit of karma, you know, like, you do what you can to win, and I don't think Switzerland were particularly uh, nasty or violent, and, you know, I would look at, the defender in that situation, Miranda, you know, he was pretty weak, Um, it wasn't a shove to push you into another dimension, it was a little push on the back, which happens pretty much at every corner anyway, but, you know, he was ahead of his man that we're supposed to be defending, which is not where he's supposed to be as a defender, Um, so I think, you know, complain all you want, but um, what happened happened, so I think, you know, getting kind of obsessed with getting wrong decisions against you, whatever is um, kind of bad mentality to have and you know you kind of does yourself off and go again uh, so it'll be interesting to see how Brazil do in their next game obviously there's kind of reports today and images and videos of Neymar going off injured uh, from training that he only kind of did a couple of minutes and then you know he was um, he was uh, you know up, looked in in pain to be perfectly honest uh, maybe a hamstring or, or a knee issue um, so yeah obviously if he's not there then um, Brazil have lost their talisman and uh, they're definitely best player of the world, and you know the supposed uh, heir to the throne of Messi and Ronaldo. So um, be disappointed if he he goes out because he was also my pick for Golden Boot. So I <laughs> definitely want him in there. Uh, so number eight on the list. Uh, the fans are taking to the taking football to the streets. Uh, so it was a gaggle of Russian, Serbian, and Costa Rican fans walk down Utulisa uh, in the center of Samara, someone produced football it was past midnight, and everybody's making their way home after a long day. Uh, that's and finished with Switzerland and Brazil in the fan zone. the terrorism in Scotland as an empty match broke out in the street. Uh, so that's that's great to, to hear. I actually, I hadn't uh, heard that story, but I think you know the World Cup is a magical experience. Obviously, people can say that it might be um, a bit different now than it was back in the day. You know, obviously, there's a lot more commercial involved, and you know the, t- the World Cup's gone kind of under a number of different expansions from. You know, small bunch of teams to 24, and now it's gone to 32, and in the future we'll go to 48. Don't know if that will be at the next World Cup in Qatar, like is being kind of mentioned as a possibility, or if it'll be. It's definitely happening in uh, 2026 in North America, and it's going to be hosted between Canada, U.S., and Mexico. Uh, but you know, love hearing stories like this of fans getting on, and you know, what better way to enjoy the football World Cup than? Bunch of fans from a number of different countries having an impromptu game in uh, the middle of a russian city and um, so number nine from the guardians uh, top 10 list is the tony punis world cup uh, so what on earth is going on with all these set pieces at the world cup after only 15 games in russia we have witnessed more goals from direct free kicks than the entire tournament in brazil interesting i didn't know that fact uh, so colombia's juan Quintaro, um joined serbia's Kolarov, Portugal's Ronaldo and Russia's Golovin by being a goalkeeper, the brilliant Bedal. Dead ball strike uh, from outside the area. There have also been nine penalties that have been given, uh, so there's only 13 in all of uh, Brazil 2014. Um, and 22 22 of the 38 goals so far, so 55% scored in the first round matches came via set-piece assets. That's pretty high rate right? and yeah I can see why they they're calling it the Tony twenty P-less World Cup obviously um kind of known for for attacking um set pieces and you know it could easily be called the the Sam Aly World Cup, but uh, I think they might have stayed away from from that comparison uh, for obvious reasons um and then um the final piece uh, from uh, the guardians top ten um what they've learned from the world cup so far is the peaceful south south american invasion uh, so obviously we've kind of seen fans swarming uh from all over the world to uh russia but it's definitely been the the south americans that have had the, the most vocal or the most impactful um visual aspect on the the stadium Colombia's game today looked like a, a home uh game because there was absolutely thousands of them there with just kind of small pockets of uh, japanese fans but you know it's been 40,000 um, Peruvian fans there apparently and um, so it's uh, yeah, it's definitely been an absolute invasion by the by the South Americans and you know I'd extend that to to North America as well with uh, Mexico fans kind of traveling great support as well um, so just kind of reading this here quickly in Colombia who sold 65,234 official tickets for these finals which is more than twice as many as England did um, so yeah no no surprise there uh, because the stadium was uh, kind of fully kitted out uh, hitting yellow today for uh, the Japanese uh, versus Colombian match uh, obviously it didn't really go uh, the way of the the home team uh, in Colombia but i think they'll definitely be out to show their support again uh, next time out uh, when they they play again so looking quickly at the next kind of couple of games uh, that are happening tomorrow um, so first up is Portugal versus Morocco. Uh, so it's kind of a must-win for for Morocco, um, and Portugal obviously uh, drew their first game against Spain, so they look to kind of put a, a win on the board as well uh, to kind of get things going. Um, Morocco lost their first-round game against Iran, so uh, they definitely played the better of those two teams, but yeah, you know, they were kind of caught late on by. A header uh, from a, from a corner so no surprise there given the, the stats I mentioned earlier and um, so it'd be interesting to see if Ronaldo can can add to his uh, tally of three goals so far you know he'd only scored three goals uh, in his entire world cup career of a number of different tournaments and um, so it will be interesting to see how he gets on Um kind of expecting the, the same kind of team that started um, I don't think there's anything wrong with the way Portugal played or the players that played uh, last time out and uh, so I think Everyone's kind of expecting uh, the same kind of team. You know, their centre backs didn't do great against uh, Diego Costa, uh, but I don't think there's really too many um, subs because you know they're relying on Font and Pepe, who you know they're vastly experienced, which is a nice way of calling them old. Uh, but they don't really have anyone in a similar kind of vein or a similar kind of level uh, that can kind of come in. So I probably would look to, to, to change out Font, but um, they don't really have anyone else. Uh, Rupert Patrício uh, apparently has been uh, signed by Wolves. Uh, obviously, we kind of mentioned before but the Sporting Lisbon uh, kind of fiasco. So apparently he's torn up his contract or got it nullified uh, from Sporting Lisbon. So it looks like he's uh, kind of on his way to the Premier League uh, with Wolves. Again, Soria Mendes kind of pulling the strings there in terms of transfers for for Wolves. So it's no surprise to see another uh, Portuguese uh, player, you know, following and then there's uh, two Wolverhampton uh, and then Morocco obviously they're disappointed to to lose uh, against Iran So I think they were hoping to to kind of push Portugal and, and Spain all the way and you know they probably would have seen a relatively easy win for them against Iran in the opening game and then look to kind of move into this game maybe hoping for a draw or something so um slight height advantage in that team for from Morocco so maybe we could be looking at another couple of set piece uh, kind of goals and some more headers and uh, Zayesh was pretty impressive uh, in the first game um, but I think yeah, they didn't really bring their, their shooting boots so uh, Benatti is the captain there so I think he'll be looking to get a big performance out of his players against Portugal and, and see if they can kind of take them on and, and looking at a 4-2-3-1 is what they played in the first game so I'd probably expect them to, to continue with there and look to get Sayesh on the ball of, uh, the, the youngster who plays for for IX. and uh, so that's Portugal versus uh, Morocco probably going to go for a Morocco or a Portugal win almost said Morocco there but uh, that's the first game that kicks off at one o'clock uh, tomorrow um, then looking at the four o'clock game so that's going to be Uruguay uh, versus Saudi Arabia so I'm going to call a prediction right here straight away that it's going to be Uh, Uruguay going to win so it's just probably a question of how many goals they'll score Uh, I don't think they'll get as many as uh, Russia but I can see them easily getting a a 3 or 4 nil win Uh, Jimenez was an absolute beast Uh, alongside Godin obviously got the goal and was probably their man of the match Um, Suarez didn't really do anything had a couple of chances in the previous game against Iran but definitely didn't bring his shooting boots that he had at Barcelona this season Uh, Cavani had a couple of good chances but Didn't actually manage to to score, so I think if either of them have um, hopes of uh, winning the Golden Boot at this World Cup, then they'll probably need to to score a couple, if not a hat trick. Um, So, Fitzsinio, he was uh, pretty impressive in the first game as well, uh, a player that kind of stood out for me, so kind of center midfielder um, who did did pretty nice things. Um, And then again, even though I've seen Saudi Arabia play, don't know. Much about them. Um, Farage is the player who we kind of picked out at the start of the tournament, and you know he's probably their best player alongside Just Sam. Um, but yeah, don't really know too much about them. Um, so looking at the the height advantage, um, Uruguay do have a significant height advantage on average over all these uh, players between the two squads. Uh, so potentially looking at some more headers again tomorrow so the Tony Pulis uh, World Cup uh, kind of continues potentially continues and then looking ahead to the, uh, the final game uh, tomorrow evening so that's going to be Iran versus Spain and um, so obviously Spain or Iran are topping the group uh, so far with the their 1-0 win against Morocco so I think they'll probably look to um, shut up shop and, and see if they can frustrate Spain uh, obviously I expect Spain to, to have Dominating possession tomorrow uh, tomorrow night, so um, I Think it will be a attack versus defense kind of strategy um, Then you know Iran looking to frustrate Spain and then Spain looking to, to kind of penetrate through a, a tight defense and um, so Casals Lee scored two against Portugal and some great hold-up play and brought other players into the game and obviously scored those two goals. The first one was quite impressive as well. Kind of turned, um, I think it was Pepe inside out. No, Pepe was on the ground holding his face as usual. Um, so yeah, it was uh, font that. He kind of turned inside out and kind of banged it into the, the bottom corner. Uh, that's Ru Patricio, his new goalkeeper. Um, but my man of the match uh, from that game was Isco. I think he was uh, phenomenal in terms of uh, linking up the play between uh, centre-mid and uh, the attackers, so be um, be excited to see him again, and you know, obviously against an Iranian side that you know lack uh, some some talent um, throughout the squad. Really, um, you know, it could be eighty percent possession to to Spain. Uh, I'm going to look out for that tomorrow. Now that I've said it, uh, not really a prediction, but uh, be interesting to see. it Could be uh, one of those games where it's um, yeah, absolutely dominated by Spain, Spain like all their games, but. Especially in this instance, you know, like, um, Iran won't have uh, too much of the ball, um, so yeah, gonna go with a Spain win here. Uh, hopefully, they get an early goal because I think, um, the longer it goes out without a goal, it could be a pretty dull game. Um, you know, if Iran are just sitting deep and Spain just have all the possession looking to draw out Iran's defenders, you know, it could be a lot of um, passing the ball. Uh, between Piquet and Ramos and to Nacho or, or Alaba and the wing back positions or the, the full back position so hoping for an early goal uh, from Spain and then you know hopefully that will uh, open up the game a bit tomorrow Um so that's the the evening game so uh, three games tomorrow Um uh, Portugal Morocco is the first game at one o'clock then we're looking at Uruguay versus Saudi Arabia as the next one and then uh, Iran versus Spain as the, the evening game so uh, looking forward to not really any of those games tomorrow so we're not <laughs> we're actually tune in live uh, for any of those but as always I'll kind of have uh, my headphones on with uh, commentary in the background while I'm working um, so anything that happens I'll be kind of jumping over and taking a look so uh, that's it for black white football today uh, a bit shorter than usual which uh, I kind of like because um, I don't really Like rambling for an hour and a half which we have done in the past which is kind of a good sign really because myself and David love talking football so it's uh, an easy thing to do so um, that is day six of the world cup uh, kind of wrapped up and and previewed so uh, we'll be back again tomorrow uh, with some sort of show so you know if you've been uh, paying any sort of attention to these and doubt anyone's going to see this part of it but uh, I guess the intention with this is just to kind of push out as much content as we possibly can throughout this. Um, as I'm David, just love talking about football, so we just kind of want to get better at podcasting or live broadcasting, uh, or just basically kind of talking uh, football to to an audience and, and putting out a, a body of work uh, at the end of it to to have to show our grandkids maybe. <laughs> um, it's probably the only people that are going to be watching it to, to be perfectly honest so um doing this on my ipad this time and um, so it's another different kind of strategy we've tried uh, multiple different options um so hopefully people enjoy it um using the, the facebook creator app which actually is pretty cool i hadn't really heard of it before this evening when i was doing some uh research so you know we can bring in uh people if they if they follow um, the page that we can um, add them into the, the conversation um, and I think they'll join here as like a pitcher and pitcher or whatever uh, which is far from ideal but uh, I think I'll definitely make use of that at some point over the uh, tournament because as I said uh, a friend is in Russia at the moment so he could be our man on the ground and uh, I think he have some some funny stories and, and some anecdotes for us so that's it for now for Black and White Football Day 6, another one's in the can, uh, hopefully we'll get 25 of these because there's 25 days of competition during the World Cup. So I um, hope you enjoyed it, if any likes, comments or feedback, uh, please send them my way. Uh, if you want to share or comment on this video, that'd be awesome and uh, be great to even know if anybody's watching. Um, but yeah, enjoy World Cup Day 6 tomorrow.